Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Yes, sir. Today, I'm really excited because we have a fun topic. (laughs) I'm glad you think so. I mean, I think most of our topics are pretty fun, but I'm especially excited to talk about this one. This one here. Yep. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because I've never even thought about this question. What? Never. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's that's enough anticipation there. <laughs> We're going to talk about grumpiness. 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 It's just yeah. a fun word to say. Grumpy. Like Oscar the Grouch. Grumpy. Mm, grumpy. Yeah. What do you? What do you? That's interesting. Let's start with that. That you've never considered this as a topic for. Why? Why do you think that is? Does, does it just not come up with you or your clients much? Or oh no, I think I think it might come up, but I've never really. I mean, of all the emotions, I've kind of really read on, dived into. Uh, grumpiness was never one. Ah, well, okay. There's an interesting question right off the bat. Is grumpiness a distinct emotion? Yeah, I would probably say no. I don't think so either. Yeah, but I've never considered that level or that. Um, area of the spectrum of that emotion, mm-hmm. I guess, or a combination. I, I've just never really thought, huh, I, grumpiness, what is it? And how does it work? And so let me, let me throw out a theory for you about okay. what grumpy, and this is not, this is just my own thoughts on it. This is not technical by any means. I don't know if there's any technical <laughs> writing on grumpiness. I'm, I haven't seen that in any academic <laughs> journals. When I looked up grumpiness, um, irritability came up a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of other, yeah, but grumpiness works. So I think... A, a good working definition of grumpiness is you're in a bad mood and you don't know why. Ooh. So I think it's the common, it's generally, it's a, it's a mood state. It's not any particular emotion. You mm-hmm. could have mm-hmm. varying flavors of grumpiness. Right, right. It could be more sad. It could be more irritable. It could be more, you know, I think those are the two big ones, probably sadness and irritability. So, so rather but, than emotion, it's more of a, it's more of a mood. Yeah, it's a mood. But in particular, I think what defines grumpiness over just a bad mood is that you're not really clear why. Like people talk about like, well, I just kind of woke up grumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a, there's, it's not that there isn't a reason. We'll talk more about this. Yeah. It's that y- either you, it's just that you don't know the reason either because you've tried to figure it out and can't or you just haven't put in the time or, or effort to try and figure out what it is. Yeah. So if you've never, we're using lots of words maybe that people are going to, a, a mood and an emotion. Mm, those, are, those are those are kind of. A, let's give it a distinction. Usually in the in, in literature, you'll see that emotions are kind of transient. They're short. They're they're mm-hmm. kind of short lived. Think um, minutes. Kind for of effective states, whereas moods are much longer. Days, hours, weeks, hours. Days, yeah. yeah. The kind of um, general state of mind. So, um, so that's interesting. So, you're saying that it's this kind of anger, frustration, frustration reaction that is you're kind of unaware generally unaware of the causes of it and it's prolonged and, but you think that unawareness is part of the experience. i think that's what distinguishes grumpiness in particular from just a bad mood okay right it, it doesn't have to do with the particular because you can be in a bad mood because you're sad you can be in a bad mood because you're anxious you can be in a bad mood because you're angry right all sorts of, so you can slice up mood by the type of emotion but i think another way to slice up mood is in terms of do you, do you know what's causing it or not okay because okay. i think a lot of people when they say i'm in a bad mood they know pretty well what's causing it what's, like what's why, maybe going on you know but you're saying if you're grumpy you probably don't know what's going on i think that is the that's the best working definition i've come up with for what makes grumpiness distinct interesting only because i, I didn't think of that at all but all of my um 
kind of observations and maybe hints about how to handle grumpiness would actually actually go well with the unawareness mm-hmm. part. It's a yeah. lot of paying attention. Right. Yeah. Okay, go on. So I think there's kind of like two strategies for dealing with grumpiness. Um, I think it's it's almost trite to say, but like everybody gets grumpy sometimes. <laughs> you know, it happens to everybody. You know, there's nothing wrong with you because you get grumpy. That Just to be clear, that wasn't funny, but the way you said it. <laughs> right. Visually, it was funny. So <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, and I think there's kind of two... Well, I think there's there's two helpful strategies and one really unhelpful one. Let's start with the unhelpful one. Okay. <laughs> the strategy a lot of people take, and I think it's, I don't know if it's unconscious, maybe semi-conscious, is that people get upset with themselves for feeling grumpy. So they wake up, they don't feel good, they're in kind of a bad mood, they don't know why, and then they're like, damn it, why am I in such a bad, I'm always in a bad mood. I'm, you know, I wish, I wanted this to be a good day. I had all these plans. I'm now I'm grumpy and like, uh-huh. what's wrong with you? You know, kind of, uh-huh. they get, and this is, it's subtle, but I, I think this happens all the time. People get upset for feeling upset. There's also an internal grinding about just feeling negative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I shouldn't okay. feel bad. I was, this was supposed to be a good day. Maybe a little bit of a judgment too. Oh, totally. Okay. That it's bad to feel bad. Or that, it, yeah, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is people's, Often their default strategy for how they react when they're feeling grumpy is they get critical of themselves for feeling grumpy. Okay. As if kind of beating themselves up about it is going to make it better somehow. <laughs> now, do you, do you think everybody who's grumpy has this kind of internal judgment? No. Okay. But a, lo- a lot enough. more people than, more people than, if you like if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, no, I don't do that. I bet you do it sometimes and you don't know it. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I do it, and okay. I'm a psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think about this stuff all the time, and I find myself yeah. doing it. Okay, yeah, I just like that challenge. Yeah, yeah, okay. Go I'm, ahead. No, there, I'm sure there are definitely times when we don't do this. I, yeah, I think I yeah. can think of times myself when it hasn't been the case that I've been grumpy about being grumpy. I'm with you though so far. I'm, okay, I'm on board. So that's the first unhelpful strategy. I think that the next um, helpful strategy is is sort of the antidote to that, which is instead of getting down on yourself about feeling grumpy you could validate the fact that you're grumpy and that it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you don't know what's causing it, it's a bummer that you're feeling grumpy. You wanted to feel happy because you're going to do this fun thing or whatever it was. Right. So it's disappointing maybe, um, but it's not bad. And you're not bad for being grumpy. Yeah, you're not bad for being grumpy. That's not a big thing. You don't have to have a whole therapy session dedicated to this. You can just simply remind yourself like, well, it's a bummer, but like, you know, yeah, I, I am. I am feeling a little. It's like getting a headache. Yeah. Like it's a bummer when you get a headache, but I'm like you got a headache. you're not a bad person because you got a headache. Right. <laughs> right? It's, right. It is what it is, and if you can take a Tylenol, great. If not, you just sort of soldier through. And so I think that's an a fairly simple but underappreciated strategy okay. you can do, even if you don't you don't know what's causing it. You don't exactly know what to do about it. I think it, people often miss this simple but surprisingly powerful step of just explicitly acknowledging to yourself, yeah, I am grumpy, right? And that's, it's okay. I don't like it, but it's not bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So far, so good? Yeah. Okay. I'm on board. The the third strategy, which I think is the more, it's not better than the last one, but it's the more advanced version. It's like step two. Okay. (laughs) Is basically to try and understand what's causing it, like what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important from the outset to acknowledge you might not be able to figure it out. It's, it's possible that you don't know why 
sometimes, you know, stuff just happens and you don't, you don't necessarily know why. So I think that's important to kind of realize. But at the same time, a lot of people treat grumpiness as inevitable that it's or out of their control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Just happy, you know, like, well, I'm just kind of grumpy. I'm always grumpy on Monday mornings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and basically assuming there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Um, cause it's completely mysterious and opaque and you know, it just is the way it is. So that's the way it's kind it's of a be. defeatist yeah. Yeah, attitude yeah. towards it. And I think it's often true that it's the causes of grumpiness can be subtle and hard to notice, especially if you're not a super introspective kind of self-reflective person. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a, like it's everybody should be really self-reflective and like, I mean, some people just tend to think more about their own thinking and stuff. And some people are just more externally kind of focused. And so I think it's, it's easy to miss, um, the causes of grumpiness. Yeah. Especially by the way, if you're so busy beating yourself up for being grumpy, it's, you're kind of wasting a lot of time and energy that could have gone to maybe trying to understand, are there valid reasons for feeling grumpy? Yeah, that's a, man, this is a point I feel like I make a lot with clients that as soon as you kind of attribute your stupidity, your failure, your, your um, I'm just a screw up, as soon as you say this happens because of these failures of mine, that thing now has no clinical utility to you mm. at all. Like you just threw it in the trash. <laughs> like we actually want to examine that really well to see what, what was going on inside mm-hmm. those moments. Because as soon as you wad up that whole experience and just say, ah, I suck and pitch it over your shoulder, that's so much data you don't have about what's going on for you. So sorry to get this, sidetracked, but no. that is such a, that is such a valuable, the moment you start judging your thoughts or your feelings and you just say, I'm an idiot. And it, all you're doing is wadding up a bunch of really great info and throwing it away. Without exaggeration, I think 70% of what I do in therapy is that someone comes in and they're really upset and they don't know why. And they've been in some form or another beating themselves up about it. Yeah. And I do, I very briefly, I validate for them. Like, tell me what happened. And I say, oh yeah, it kind of makes sense that you're, you'd be feeling upset. And then I just ask them, well, let's like kind of slow down and walk through the details of what went on. Like what happened? What were you thinking about? You know, what sorts of emotions were you feeling? And almost inevitably at the end of the session, the, the client's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess when we walk through it like that, it kind of makes sense. And like, <laughs> right, right. I don't, like, it's still, it sucks that I felt like that, but gosh, I feel a lot better. Like just sort of knowing that there are reasons for the way I felt. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. I'm, I'm just walking them slowly through what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, is, and, yeah. and so much of this is patterns too. So you know, if you're wadding up every experience that goes badly for you and pitching it over your shoulder, you're you're going to probably be bad at some things because you're never really dissecting that to right. find out what is going on there. And so I meet people with that are amazing and in, in performing and in, in functioning in amazing ways in certain contexts of their life, yet others, they are so judgmental about their own experience there and they have no clue as to like what's breaking down inside that because every time they have a problem, it's all wadded up into this ball of I'm stupid and thrown away. I had, I've talked about this. This, <laughs> this makes me think when you're talking about patterns and people being mm-hmm. um, basically bad at pattern recognition in their own yeah. kind of psychology. I had a client in grad school. This was one of my first clients ever when I started seeing um, clients and he, he, was, he was terrible at this, like so bad at seeing literally the exact same thing would happen 
almost every single week mm-hmm. and he would be mystified and come in and like, I was just, I just got so angry and I, I don't know why. And we'd break it down and it was, it was always the same. And gradually he started to get it. The like super juicy irony was he was, a, he was literally a detective. Oh, <laughs> His profession was he was a detective. Yeah. And so he was super good at seeing patterns uh-huh. in his job. So I, I say that not to make fun of this guy, but to, to actually validate that it's hard just because you're good at being analytical or, or you know, seeing patterns right. or being aware right. about stuff in lots of areas of your life. If you haven't practiced doing that for yourself, that's a skill you're going to need to build. Yep. Right. You're not going to necessarily be great at it. Yeah. And, and so much of this is um, maybe about how you you learned to react around those things, mm. you know, and, and so. Uh, so much of the time, these can be really, it's, it's a great process of kind of self-discovery to really start learning about how to analyze your experience. And, and maybe that's right. what a lot of our clients don't, aren't really taught is, is how to look at those things. Because uh, one thing I encourage my clients to do when they're dealing with these types of things like grumpiness is to take their emotional temperature fairly regularly. Not all the time, but they kind, I, I kind of want clients to become aware of how they're feeling, you know. Am I, am I okay? Am I grumpy? Am I frustrated? Am mm-hmm. I sad? Just to start kind of recognizing patterns. Right. And then to start looking at what they were thinking about, what they were doing in those moments, to start to kind of put together a structure for them to start working within realizing the things I think about and the things I do are going to impact the way mm-hmm. I feel, you know? Um, so, so learning to kind of take your emotional temperature also requires that you learn a way of being a good diagnostician too mm-hmm. um, at the same time because if your diagnostic is off because you hate anxiety <laughs> and you never want to feel that thing again. Right. So you're always <laughs> looking the other way. And, right. That's yeah. not good diagnostics, right? The idea yeah. is I'm bad at that emotion. I need to get better at that, right? And That's so, such a good point too because I think a big problem with all types of bad moods but including grumpiness is because people have trained themselves to ignore it basically. Mm-hmm it sneaks up on them yeah. and they, they don't realize they're grumpy until it's built to this really big level. And when you're, when any emotion is that intense, like it's going to, no matter how good you are at analyzing stuff and coping and it's going to be hard if you let it get that big before yeah. you start addressing it. Yep. So I love the idea of periodically getting good at taking your temperature right. because then you can head stuff off and deal with it when it's much smaller and more yeah. manageable. Well, it gives you a cue too. To, so, so that we're developing the skills at the same time. So when you take your temperature, you go, Ooh, I'm grumpy. Well, what was I just doing? And what was I just thinking about? And you can start to go, Oh, well, I was just thinking about the 12 things I have to do today because blah, blah. And you can go, Oh, I'm grumpy and I'm irritable because of these things and I've got too much on my plate and okay, yep. how can I deal with that? But it lends itself to better problem solving if you're able to kind of identify that. And I think that's what the point I was trying to make when I said, oh, wow, you know, your awareness part wasn't one I considered, but it definitely lends itself to some of the tips I've mm-hmm. given clients about becoming just more aware of their experience and what they're reacting to. And that could be internal. You know, I'm telling myself over and over that, I failed and I'm stupid and I can't do these things. Or it could be external where it's like, I've got 13 demands of right. my attention and time. Um, and that's important bits of information to have as you go on your quest to solve this mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about, um, so let's actually jump into this kind of third strategy, which is to kind of analyze or try and figure out why, what are the reasons for you feeling grumpy? Mm-hmm. You mentioned, um, asking yourself, what was I thinking? So talk more about that. I think that's a really important 
step. Yeah. Once my client's kind of aware of that mood state, um, the, the initial thought, and it's a quick one, is quick, what was I thinking? Because I, I want that, like, mm-hmm. what was the last thing you were just thinking about, right? And to, to really do that quickly so that you're not, you know, taking a few minutes and, and losing that data, but to really reflect really quickly about, what, hey, what was I just thinking about? Um, because the way we think impacts the way we feel, uh, impacts the things we do, we kind of want to be aware of that. And so sometimes you can capture a lot of data just by kind of really quick doing a glance at what you were just kind of thinking about. Um, it reveals a lot of interesting observations from clients. I've never had a client record their thoughts like that and and not learn something about. Oh my gosh, do you realize how? Ma- or I never realized how many times I told myself this throughout the day. Something like that, or I never realized just how brutal my thoughts were. Yeah. You know, critical and mean, and the the words I used to describe me and my experience. So. Um, that's what I mean. Capturing those real initial thoughts that just preceded or, your or your awareness of that emotion. So you you basically, as a therapist, we both um, teach our clients to do this to get better at identifying the thoughts that precede difficult emotions or moods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you do this so often, you teach it so often. Do you think you're good at it? Are you pretty good at it? Of course I am. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, no, and. Um, you know, I try to be better and better, yeah. but it's, it's a hard thing. I'll admit, you know, I okay. think, I think I don't now. I, although I do have some maybe dysfunctional thought patterns, I don't have too many vicious ones. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but at times, um, drawing my awareness becomes easier and easier. I feel like I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think there's a, dis- been a distinct shift in my life from basically like when I started, learning about mm. therapy and doing therapy mm-hmm. like pre that and after that pre that I think I, I was never someone who was really hard on themselves and I, I've never had yeah. like really yeah. bad moods but I often remember when I did get into a bad mood not understanding it especially as a kid yeah um, but even as a like a young adult feeling like uh like what is what is this going sucks? on what is yeah. going on here and usually I just kind of try to ignore it and it would get better you know I'm mm-hmm. lucky in that sense but I, I cannot remember a time in the last few years where I felt I was in a bad mood or grumpy and I didn't basically know why. And I, oh, I think right, it's right, because right, right. Yeah. often it's the result of my own thinking. Yeah. And I feel like I've gotten pretty good at, at at least noticing that. Not necessarily right away, but when I give myself the time to actually reflect on it, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't actually figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And that's... There are moments I'm not good at kind of calling calling my attention to that, but once I sit down to think about it, it just all falls into place. Yeah, and I found this to be true with my clients, <laughs> or it's, at least that's my perception. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's rare. It's rare for my clients to come in to a session with me and say like, "I'm so upset and I don't understand why." And after half an hour, forty five minutes of us doing some good kind of emotional detective work, them not having a pretty good sense for why. Yeah. Largely based on their thinking more carefully about how they were thinking yeah. about, you know, whenever they started to get upset. You know, and th- this skill of being able to observe your thoughts, I, I think, and, and, and take note of them is, is so important because, um, you know, even as clients are learning to do this, you'll still hear them kind of slip into this just verbally in the in the room where they say, you know, I, you know, I, I, I was recording 
uh, my thoughts, you know, I, I forgot to record this show I was going to see or something. And then they'll say, I'm such a moron. I know I'm in <laughs> right. They're actually doing it right in front of you. Yeah. And then when you draw your awareness to it again, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I slipped back into that yep. without even realizing. And so this is a process to teach someone. It's, it, it can be really um, challenging at times, but it's definitely worth the, worth the payoff in the end um, to be able to train yourself to do this. Yeah. It's off the top of my head. I can't think of any other skill that's more, that would be more beneficial. Like I'm sure there are, but this, this is in the top three or five yeah. Yeah, skills in, in terms of general well-being, emotional health. And it, and it seems to be one of the things that we're, we, we constantly work with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rare that we don't have a client, I think, that doesn't kind of have there, this. There's yeah. no disorder that doesn't get drastically better if you work on this. Yeah, if you get better at, at, at assessing and analyzing and kind of um, handling your thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I had I, my other uh, thought about this is, is grumpiness is, is where I see this a lot are people who are people pleasers, Hmm. um, people who, um, need to be in control. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and probably those are maybe the two. I see a lot of grumpy people that kind of fall into this category or people who are just constantly avoiding lots of things they shouldn't be avoiding. So you're saying a high need for control and being a people pleaser, uh, make you more vulnerable to periods of grumpiness. Um, so yeah, you, because there's a behavioral pattern that usually goes along with those two general personality types that, um, so flesh that out. Why, why take people, let's just start, do people pleasing. Why would being a people pleaser make you at a higher risk for being grumpy? Um, you've got an impossible job. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, um, uh, you open up a, you know, a, a, a hole in a bucket that, 10 gallons is going out a second and you've only got a cup to fill it back up. It's just never going to happen. So to, but people who are really highly invested in making sure everybody in their life is happy and happy with them, they have an impossible job. Mm. And so there's a level of frustration and irritability that comes with trying to fill that bucket. Um, that uh, I see a lot of grumpiness. That's interesting because one, one of mine, my like big causes, I think, is unrealistic expectations. Mm. People who have unrealistically high expectations. Another impossible Usually for other of, people. Yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, it follows that. It's the exact same thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, another impossible kind of scenario where you're just going to be disappointed if your expectations aren't realistic. Right, right. right. Um, ooh, that's a conversation we need to have. Expectations? Yeah, and how to make them real, realistic. Okay. Oh yeah, sorry. Mental note. Mental note. Um, likewise, if you need to be in control, or if things have to be a certain way, um, that's that that's a, a, a um a characteristic I would say is is gonna set you up to be irritable mm-hmm. again because of the impossible nature of being in control of everything. Yep. Uh, on the flip side of this, though, people who feel like they're responsible for everything can be irritable as oh. well. You know, I have to do this. I have to do that. I, I need mm. to do this. I can't let, you know, it's just need to control or that need to, you know, I just feel responsible for right. everyone and everything. And Another everything unrealistic happens. expectation about yourself. Yeah. Right? Maybe this is a good pattern to kind of take note of. Yeah. So another one for me would be, um, unmet needs. Ooh, yeah. And another way to the flip side of that is if you're not very assertive, 
which goes along with being a people pleaser, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think it's related too. But if you if you continually are deferring what you want and need, no, no, I'll just you know, it's, I'll take care of them. I'll I'll do what they need. I'll do. Yeah. That is not sustainable. Yeah. At some point, that's gonna, that's going to blow up. Yeah, and this goes to that point of people who are avoiding things they just shouldn't be avoiding, right? right. That's like assertiveness is is the cure for that. So you're exactly right. I think I think you're right that if you're not pursuing the things that you find meaningful and rewarding, or you're not being genuine, or whatever that assertiveness is related to, man, another really frustrating situation to be in. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.